The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. Torah isn't education, it's transformation. This is Chai Chinuch with Rabbi G. 101.9 We are back as we do every Monday between 2 to 3 where we discuss education, we discuss chinuch, we discuss therapy, we discuss anything that will give us the tools and bring us to where we want to be in life, anything that will help us influence ourselves, the world, and everything in between, families, communities, just people around us, and bring ourselves and the world to the place we want to live in and be in with the tools that we have. Before I'm going to start the show today, I'm going to make a little uh, disclaimer. And I, I don't know if disclaimer is the right word, but just to make sure I'm putting it out there, a bit of my thought. Since a month ago, over a month ago, since to be accurate, since the 7th of October, every show we had here, we spoke about our regular education and stuff and therapies and other words, but there always was a very strong link to what is happening Um to our brothers and sisters in Israel, what is happening uh, on the other side of the world, and many effects that we're having onto the community. This is probably the first show that we're going to be discussing more uh, more of the normal topics that we have in the past, uh, with no direct link to what's happening. Obviously, there always is a link because it's part of our lives, and there will be the link, but it's not a direct link. I just need to put it out there. Don't think for a second that our hearts are a bit more distance or we're not fully there. We are. We still are fully connected to our brothers and sisters and to our nation. And we are completely unfocused. And at the same time, we are discussing what we need to discuss in our community as a community and definitely Israel's in our hearts, even if we're not talking directly at it, about it right now. I know it's obvious, however, it was important to say so before we can start. So before we start, obviously, anything you want to share, you want to add, you want to comment, you want to bring up a topic, 34519 is SMS line. You could always send a telegram, 0618951019. Because this is such a special topic today, which I'll get to in a second, you could even call in. Oh, I see we have a new number, 0870551818. Again, SMS line 34519 or Telegram 0618951019. If you remember, we, as we reach the times of holidays, which fascinating, it's fascinating, but we are in the next month reaching there. Some of us in a full month, some of us a bit less, a bit less, but we are getting to our holidays and we are getting into the break season. And we generally speak about things that the parents can take that time to teach their kids. And what can we got our children? What can we help our children learn and achieve that they're not necessarily learning at school? Obviously, there's something we should do all year round. However, holidays, school, uh, is is definitely the special time and appropriate time to be working and focusing on that. And today we're going to talk about money. How do we teach our children about money? Do we teach our children about money? What is happening today? How focused are we in that space? And I think it's very special to discuss that in a holiday setting because there's rumors that it's quite expensive. And there's rumors that we don't always live by our budget when it comes to holidays. I don't know, question mark, do we? Do we go on a holiday based on what we can afford or do we go based on what we're all doing 
So, yeah, a lot to discuss, and that would be the exact time when we're spending all that money to discuss with our children and learn with our children. For that, I have with me two uh, top professionals in their area. On the one hand, we have uh, Liron Mazor, who is a coach at Greengrass Wealth Management, and obviously will teach us after we know how we made all the money, how to keep it, how to make sure we're living the right uh, lifestyle and making sure that it's happening. And getting there, we have uh, Ilana Jankolovitz. Ilana is a certified money coach at Mindful Money Coaching. So... Let's start and get to first meet you and know you officially. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having us. Okay, so, um, Liron, let's start with you. A bit about your company, your position, what do you do, and your relationship with money. <clears throat> Craig, thanks for the opportunity and thanks for letting me be part of the show. Um, I actually used to host the personal finance show many years ago on High FM, so it's always great to be back. And um, it's always nice to be on the other side of the mic sometimes. <laughs> Completely. Okay. And now you are coaching finances for? Yeah. So, so it's actually just before we start, I wanted to say there is an Israel connection today because I live in Israel. Um, I run my business still in South okay. Africa. But uh, I'm speaking to you from Israel and connecting to you. So it's always nice to connect with everybody. Um, I, I've been running my business for about 20 years. And my business is what most people would refer to either as a wealth management business or a holistic financial planning business. The uh, If you're asking me what's my money story, I, I'd say I, I've been through many difficulties. Uh, about 20, 30 years ago, I, I lost, my family lost their business um, and there was a property in my name and we really lost everything to the extent that uh, I, I was looking after myself financially, but my most difficult day was opening up my own charity tin and having to access my own money. And then from there, going on a journey to try and understand what creates wealth, how do you create wealth, what is it about your mindset, your personality, from a Torah perspective, looking at it from multiple different angles and also building a business around that, just because it was something that I was always constantly interested in. Amazing. So, so Liron, since you shared that you are um, in Israel, so we're going to go to another side of the globe. And Ilana, you're in Switzerland, I think. Um, okay, so let's hear from your side. Okay, well, first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I originally grew up in South Africa. And it's quite interesting because it sounds like today we're going to be having the two sides of money talk. You just, Liron, is that, is that how I say? Yeah, yeah, thanks, yeah. Liron's yeah. basically talking about money IQ. I'm going to be talking about money EQ. So the psychology of money, why we do certain things, where this comes from, and ultimately, what are we teaching our children? So growing up in South Africa, I understand very much the mentality um, of how things work there. I grew up also incredibly, well, came from a poor background, um, went to a Jewish day school, did all of that, but saw my mom struggle, saw my mom at the age of 40 being a widow with five children. So I learned a lot about scarcity. And that scarcity is something that I continued in my life until I realized that it was actually harming me and self-sabotaging myself. So I went for coaching. And through the coaching, what I do now is I teach predominantly women because women, I believe, are the ones that are at home with the children. And 
show children exactly how they're supposed to be with money. We don't learn it at school. <clears throat> I was going to ask you, you know, so what are we teaching our children? I was going to say, are we teaching our children? And I think that's a, a very important question to look at. Um, well, well, maybe we do teach by default, but are we focused on teaching? So I think we do need to look at that. Just before we do get to this question, we do have to take our first break, and we will be right back very shortly and dive into these topics. The High Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. 101.9 We are back here in a fascinating discussion. Well, actually just starting the discussion and getting to talk about money. What are we teaching our kids? What are the skills they're getting in from school? What is happening in that field of finances? Are kids really ready to take care of their finances when they are supposed to, when it comes the time? So for that exactly, I'm here in in a discussion with Liron Mazor, who is a wealth coach, and with Ilana Jankelovitz, who is a money coach. Uh, interesting, the difference between money and, and wealth. Um, before we continue, just a reminder, 34519, any questions you have to, you want to know, you want to ask, you want to comment, you want to share, anything, I'm sure finances is something we could all learn about, or Telegram, 0618951019. Again, SMS line 34519. Right before the break, Inanna, you mentioned about the differences between financial EQ and financial IQ. What does that mean? So basically, from the time we are born, probably till about 14, we literally take on our parents' money DNA. We, we as parents, we've held up a mirror to our children where we've shown them how to be with money. We've, they've learned our beliefs, our patterns, and our behaviors without us saying anything. For instance, we talk. The way we talk, children learn that from the parents. If we come from a scarcity background, which a lot of us have, or we've had parents that have gone through the war, we have the scarcity mentality where we talk in in the negative, where we say to the kids, we don't have, I don't have money for that. What are you asking me? Everything is wrapped in this negativity. And children then learn that there isn't enough. There isn't enough. They're not good enough. They're not deserving, which comes from things, patterns that the parents often have. So when we talk about EQ ability for children, um, Inanna, are you saying that if we have two children growing up in the same family with a 10-year gap between them and the parents have changed or shifted financially or their attitudes or have gone through a process, they will have a different EQ towards finances when they grow up? Yes. So basically you're taking on what's going on in the family. You and a lot of the time we're not living our parents' lives. Okay. And when we talk about IQ? IQ is more the hard stuff. It's more telling you what to do with your finances, telling you where to invest, how to invest, what you should actually do with it. I deal more with the emotional side. So how does money make you feel? Okay. Where, what comes up for you, what beliefs come up for you. So we'll get to that. So, Liron, it sounds like you're doing the hard stuff. So is that separated from the emotional side of things when you come to do your work? I, I think it's um, probably exactly the same. I think like any therapy, there's two different types of therapy. 
and uh, both are, are always good to do, and it gives you two different aspects. Um, I, you know, one of <clears throat> the people that I, I did therapy once with was uh, Hanan Bushkin, and uh, I know that he uh, comes on the show quite a bit, and, and I, I really found that his type of therapy is actually very helpful because I think sometimes Ilana's therapy helps us to go back to the past, but sometimes mm-hmm. we don't realize that we also need to find a way to move forward and look at fundamentals to implement. And that's really where I come in is to say, great, what are the fundamentals that we need to implement now that will get us to the long-term goal? And I think for everybody, the long-term goal is always exactly the same. It's uh, wealth creation and wealth preservation. The numbers might be different and it might be explained differently. And uh, obviously each individual person needs their own road to get there. But the road is uh, fairly similar for each person. It's just sometimes we just don't know what it is or we haven't been taught what it is. My ability or role is to try and guide people how to start that journey. Lay down the fundamentals. What are the fundamentals? What are the next steps? You know, like people that like you mentioned just now, they say, geez, my job is maybe the more hard, harder job or more the hard job. But I, I don't view it that way. I just think that unfortunately we have these preconditions which aren't accurate. Uh, it's more, it's just what it is. And sometimes we maybe need to make it a bit more fun, but everybody firstly can be wealthy. Everybody has an ability. Just sometimes whatever you've got a mental block, but that mental block isn't realistic. It's a story you've told yourself. So what are the preconditions that are holding us back? I'll start with you, Leron. So uh, again, it's the story. What story do we believe? So do I turn around and say to myself, do I become a victim? Do I want to turn around and say, woe is me and I've gone through such a difficult life? Like I'll give you a great example myself. Uh, so I've gone through this difficulty. Uh, recently I invested in another business. I, I lost a lot of money because somebody lied to me. And I had the choice. I could either just turn around and say, great, I'm going to feel completely a victim. I'm going to say, geez, it's not used to you. And not, I can't do anything. Or I'm going to turn around and say, okay, let me get back to my fundamentals. For example, what's my first fundamental is gratitude. Gratitude for the good and the seemingly bad. Mm-hmm. And everything is good. So if I turn around and make that my fundamental, I need to turn around and say, great, that's fundamental number one. Fundamental number two is for me, I connect to Hashem. And say, great, Hashem is there, Hashem loves me, whatever Hashem does is good and it's going to get better and better. That's the mantra that I believe very strongly in. Once I've taken that as my first fundamental, I'm now able to say, okay, great, I'm in a situation, let me inform those people that I can't afford to pay, that I can't afford to pay, but now let me find a solution. Instead of rather getting trapped in the story and the victimization of it. So, Ilana, I want to I want to ask you like this because you know Leron mentioned more about and the way you presented it is more that what you would do, Leron, is more coaching and Ilana would be do more therapy in a way. And I'm wondering like this because we have a lot of talk about financial mindset and what's holding us back and where we're stuck and what are we worried about. The one area I don't hear enough, and maybe it's just me, uh, we don't talk that much about where other areas come into finances. Like maybe I have perfect beliefs in the financial, but uh, I'm a procrastinator. Maybe I'm somebody who doesn't know how to make decisions. Maybe it's someone who is just knows exactly how to be wealthy, but just doesn't want to wake up in the morning and be as productive. Is that something you see in your work and something that we can address? And I'm wondering as parents, do we even have an influence on that? Totally. Um, Leron just mentioned basically he was talking about the victim and the different, which are money archetypes, which there's eight different archetypes. And I'll come back to answering your question now because you spoke about the imposter. The innocent archetype is basically the imposter. 
And if you want, anyone wants more information on this, I've got on my website a free quiz, which is about the eight different money archetypes, which comes from Carl Jung, who was a Swiss philosopher and psychiatrist in the 1900s. What you mentioned now is basically the imposter of not being able to do things, procrastinating, keeping ourselves small, not being able to see the abundance, which also Liron spoke about a couple of minutes ago, the abundance, the, the, um, the gratitude in finance, that there is enough for everybody, that the victim mentality is something that we take on, and rather looking then at the opportunities. But a lot of people are stuck in the fear, in the fear, the anxiety, and that keeps them to procrastinate. It literally keeps them like on a hamster wheel where they're just kind of getting the same results over and over. And a lot of the time, our children see this. And I'm evidence of this because my kids saw how I was with money growing up with scarcity. And when I did get money, I then overindulged and overspent and got myself into huge amounts of debt. My kids basically saw that this is how it's supposed to be and mirrored me. Do people today actually know how much money they have? Most people don't. A lot of people don't discuss money. I work with women and I say to them, do you speak to your husband about money? Do you have a, a money date, as I call it? And they don't do that. They, there's fear when it comes to money. There's fear that he's going to blame her or that he's going to be, he's going to find out what she's doing. So sometimes there's secrecy that goes on in the money on both sides. You so know, money is not an open conversation that people have. Okay. So we are talking from a parent's point of view, but I have to ask you from a relationship point of view, because you mentioned, do you have a date to speak to your husband about finances, about money? And maybe Liron, you would take this question. Um, you know, many times I meet couples in general work that I do with marriage counseling and couples, etc. And what comes up is huge frustration about finances. And what we find consistently in these relationships is that many times there's an illusion that the husband is managing the finances when in reality his wife is doing the shopping she goes she shops she makes the decisions of what's need to be what needs to be bought how much needs to be bought many times she'll even call him every time and say can i get this can i not get this he's at work has no idea what the question is and has no idea what the spreadsheet is it just says yes or no based on i don't know what time it is and or if he's hungry or not whatever that their relationship is and really she's under the impression he's managing the money. He he maybe is also under the impression he's managing the money, but he's not because he, he's not the one spending. Does there need to be a correlation between the one bringing in the money and the one spending it and managing it in a way that um, kind of we know what's happening? I think that's a great question. I'm going to be honest. I, I feel, geez, that's a pretty loaded question because the problem is it's all about relationships. Yeah, and it goes it's a really tough show deep. to be on, but that's okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. I don't mind the hard questions. Yeah. I've, I've always said I don't mind them. I'm going to answer it, but I, I really believe that probably this is where Ilana's skill set comes in exceptionally well because she can help guide couples on how to learn to communicate with each other. And it's really a communication issue because at the end of the day, you've got to be safe in each other's company to be able to discuss the hard things in life. And, and while you're having the, the hard discussions, 
you need to be able to find solutions together. It can't just be that I'm taking responsibility or you taking responsibility. Now, each, like, each relationship is going to have their own strengths and weaknesses. I, I, th- I think early relationships, obviously, it's difficult to have these types of discussions because you're still getting to know each other. But the, the, why I said I felt it was a bit of a loaded question is because in these types, or, or, or if I can say people have been married for, let's say, 10 years or more, if they haven't already dealt with it, it's now one of the issues that will always keep coming up in their relationship that now needs to be dealt with. So mm-hmm. I, I don't believe I've got the skill set to do that because that's actually a marriage issue. And so I was going to go to Ilana when it comes to the guilt around it and to the stress around it and to the blaming and to all of that the challenge. I'm asking purely from a person having an illusion that he's managing the finances and he's not. How popular is it that we actually think we are in control of our money, but we have no idea? Can I can I just answer this one thing before you go to Ilana? I, I yes. do have the solution, by the way, because I, I, I'm in the process of building a, 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 an online course and also an online tool where couples can see exactly what they've got from a investment perspective, from a life policy perspective, um, and also sets their goals for them and it actually gives them a money score. So it shows them how how far are they on the journey. And I've created a program which if I had to look at it to say how could I take somebody from point zero to the end game, I've decided to find 15 different steps. Uh, so, so there are ways in that you could teach people how to do it. But um, having said that, we're not exactly at that particular point in time, but there are solutions. Yeah. Oh, well, Okay. And, and on that money score, if you take the money quiz, you'll actually see where you fit into victim or innocent or ruler, which brings me to your question about the guy thinking that his wife's in control of the finances, but yet he's calling her, I mean, she's calling him for permission. The fact that she's asking for permission, he's in control. The fact that she has to run things by him, that she's not empowered to make her own decisions, He's in control. But he's, but nobody's in control because he also doesn't know what's flying. So you can't control something if you don't make decisions based on something that makes sense. Yes, yes. There definitely needs to be conversation with couples around money. There definitely needs to be where you sit down and have a financial audit and say, do we have enough money to retire? Is there enough money to send our kids to study? What's going on in our finances? What investments do we have? What's going on? How much money I'm spending per week? How much money I'm giving the children? There needs to be an open conversation. And it's quite interesting because in the beginning you were saying in the first couple of years, you don't talk about money. You talk about what we're going to call our kids, where we're going to live, what everything else but money. And money is the thing that next to infertility, um, money is the next reason for divorce. I work with many, many divorced women from all over the world. And I always say, if you haven't discussed money when you're married, you will discuss it afterwards. And then you won't discuss it fight about it. Okay. So I want to ask you a question moving forward because we we, we do have to get through quite a bit in the show. And I'm going to give one of the listeners that sent in a question like this. Uh, Hi, this is so awesome. Thank you. What do I do? I don't have health, a healthy relationship with money, but can't afford paying for the money management because I don't have enough as it is. How often do you hear this question and what do you answer to that? Every day. <laughs> Only Every once? Day. Okay. 
Every day I hear this question and or I hear this, that I want to fix my money, but I can't. I can't afford I can't, it. I can't afford it. I always say a drug addict doesn't think about when they're going to get their next fix from or how they're going to get their fix. When they want it, they get it. If you want to have the relationship that you desire with money, to have the abundance, you will put, you will manage it, you will find it. It's about it becoming important and being the top priority because the thing is, we say, I mean, I say to my kids, my kids are 30, and I say to them, before you look, you're 40, you're 50. If you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? Are you going to wait until you're five years away from retiring before you actually start figuring it out? Or are you going to do it when you can, when you actually wake up and realize, I need to fix this? So uh, the to say in that, there's two points. We have the actual reality, and and if I, you know, present the the the, the caller who just sent in the message, will say, "Well, I'll show you my bank account. There's nothing there. I cannot pay a coach. What do I do?" And I would add to that that we're living in a time of life that people don't necessarily anymore pay for knowledge. And people don't pay for good. We have everything online. We have on Google. We have access to it. We don't understand the value of it. How would we motivate and, and you know, find that uh, need and importance to do that? Do you mind if I maybe add in, Elon? I'm giving you, yes. buying you a bit of time so you can gather your thoughts there. Do you know? And we'll Craig, do an ad break so you'll have extra time. Yes. Go ahead. I'm, I'm not going to be as gentle as Ilona because I've personally gone through this. And uh, I think a person's just lazy, like, uh, and it's not an insult to anybody, but why am I saying because I've been through this? Because when I went through my own difficulty that I had to open up my own charity tin, I had a day job, I had a night job and a weekend job. And uh, the night job and the weekend job was doing spit bras, um, working for somebody in the end. <clears throat> I ran that business by myself, but I, I, it's very difficult because most times I'd be at friends' parties uh, or community parties but I was able to firstly pay down my debts. I was able to use extra money to uh, get the knowledge that I need. And I, I really don't mean to be insulting to say a person might be lazy, but I, I think it's hard for everybody. And again, it's just a mindset. And I, I think Ilana was spot on what she said. You know, uh, if you really want it that badly, you'll make a plan. And if that means you're going to have to work on the weekend or you're going to have to work at an extra time or you're going to find something, you'll make a plan the same way a drug addict could make a plan. Exactly. The question is, are you going to make that plan? And it's not meant as to insult anybody, but it's from somebody that's been there himself that they turned around and said, I'm going to make a plan. <clears throat> and it was a very difficult working so long because you exhausted all the time. So, Liron, you're saying if, if you don't, if you're not going to fight for it, I can't help you. Basically, yes. And, and that is it. I also worked two, three jobs when I came to Zurich. When we were here for a while, my husband lost his job and I had huge debts that I'd accumulated. I had to work till two in the morning. So I know that. Done it and, most and of we my can life. make that, and we can make that happen. Okay. We, we do need to take our next ad break. And when we come back, I think we're going to have to go into more practical or reality. I'm kind of in debate where to go with this discussion. A, a quick ad break and we will be right back. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. 
We are in the middle of a fascinating discussion. We're here about talking about finances, managing the money, managing our financial state, uh, understanding money, teaching it to kids. And, you know, there's so much I, I feel like I need to ask, but I'm going to skip quite a bit because we're running out of time and I really need to hear what are the steps that we're looking at? And I'd love for each of you, I'm here with Liron, uh, Liron Mazor, who is a management uh, coach and a wealth coach, and with Ilana, who is a money coach. And I'm wondering, you know, you're each coming from your own angle, but what would be, in each of yours' opinion, the first three steps we need to take to change our reality on a practical level? Ilana. Budget. Know where your money is going and not wonder where it went. And make sure that there's pots for different. For saving. Okay. Okay. So I said three. So we'll leave it with that for a second. Um, Liron, do you agree with these first three steps? Um, I agree, but I would do it slightly differently. Okay. Um, I, I read a great book. Uh, it's actually how I started my Chai FM show. It was on this book. The very first show I did was on it called The Richest Man in Babylon. And uh, it was one of the books that I read that gave me the, the start to my journey. Um, and in there, it talks about a money formula. Now, excuse anybody that's heard me speak about it before, but we are asking the fundamentals. And I, I like the fund- money formula quite a bit because I think when it comes to budgeting, most people automatically have a block against it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it can be very cumbersome and very difficult and sometimes very emotional for a lot of people. But uh, the money formula, I'll talk you through it. There's two different stages. Um, and just before I talk you through it, just sorry, just to reiterate, it's, it's actually a great way to see the whole picture slightly differently. And the money formula works as follows. is 10% of what you earn goes to savings. Mm-hmm. 10% goes to charity. 20% goes to debt. And 60% is what you live off. Now that gives you an outline automatically that allows you to measure where you are. The second part of the money formula says of the 10% that's going to savings, it needs to increase at a further 10% every quarter until you're saving between 30 to 50% of what you earn. That, that's the second part. But I think if you can get the first part right, you'll really be a good uh, 80% of the way there because that in its own right will bring con- consciousness into you. And then it's a matter of just turning around and saying, well, am I spending more than I earn and where can I cut or where can I earn more? When you're saying grow to 30 and 50% with every quarter, so you're basically saying it, within a half a year you want to be saving 50% of your money or 30%? Uh, I, I, the, the, the guidelines are 30 to 50%. It will be different for each person. Um, each person, I think it really comes to drive. Some people are really happy to cut and get to the bare minimum. Uh, they're happy to live in a basement. They're happy to have a second-hand car. Some people aren't, and there's no right or wrong. Uh, I think that more than anything else, it's just trying to put out there some guidelines about how do you start creating wealth? What's the first step to wealth creation? And that's really what you asked me. So when we say budgeting, most people, you hear the word budget, you panic, you, it really shut you down. When you hear money formula, it becomes a bit more exciting. It's sort of something that you've got to explore, a formula that you can test, that you can trial. And I prefer to stick with that as a guiding point. And when you say this formula, is that step one and then budgeting step two? Or are you saying this is instead of, but you could manage for a bit without budgeting at all? I'd say it depends on the couple. Um, you know, ultimately, 
a budget is essential, but it's very hard to stick to a budget. I mean, I, I know we ourselves do a budget and it's very hard to stick to it. You know, things come up, things you have to adjust. So I, I think more than anything else, it's a matter of living within your means. Ilana, your thoughts? I always say budget is telling your money where to go and not wondering where it went. So to have containers for everything. For children, I teach them, and I kind of prepared a little formula for, because I know you wanted to speak about children and money. But for adults, I do the 50-30-20 rule. So 50% being on your budget, all your essentials, the things that you have to pay for. Okay. 30 being on lifestyle, because that can be variable. That can change. For instance, if you've had a heavy month, you can take away from something in that 30% bracket. You don't have to do your hair every month. You don't have to buy gifts. You can make gifts, etc. So that can kind of change depending on how heavy the month is. The 20% being on debt and savings. If you've got debt, get the debt paid because know what interest you paid on the credit cards, interest you are feeding that debt. And then if you're not paying any debt, to put that into savings. I know when we grew up, we grew up save, save, save. Seen parents putting money underneath the mattress and save was the big, was the big thing that people did. What I teach people is it's not just about saving, it's about budgeting, investing, giving and saving. And for children, I've created something where I said, make four containers, have four jars, because I know this is what you wanted to speak yes. about before the show. Have four jars. Be it in a savings account. Yeah, we have um, on our phones, we have our budget, our, save, our accounts, and we can see different accounts that you can set up for savings. And I've got four different savings under my current account. And in there, I've got different things. Obviously, for the kids, it's different. So if you decide whatever amount it is that you give the children, get them to pay. Just say you give them, let's go with small numbers of 80, 80 bucks a week. Okay, I know it's a hell of a lot more probably in South Africa because of uh, 80 bucks will go nowhere. Yeah. Let's just stick to a small number. Okay. 20, you're sticking to savings. You get them to save. You get them to save because you get them into the idea that they're learning to put money away from emergencies. It's a buffer fund. 20 another 20 goes into spend. Yes, 20, enjoy it, do with whatever you want to do. Have fun, go to the movies, whatever. The other 20 is give. Be a blessing. There's always people less off than you. And the last 20 is invest. For every 20 that they invest, you as a parent can decide to cap at five with that and let them invest in whatever. I know my son years ago, when uh, we were living in South Africa, my husband bought some MTM shares with him, and they both put money in. They made some money. You know, you can teach them how to invest from a very, very young age. Leron, you mentioned a book, which I've read that book, but there's another one that's out which teaches children, people, about compound interest, how Warren Buffett made his money and all the, all the wealthy people, the psychology of money, how money grows over time. And by teaching children that they need to have these different buckets or different containers, you're teaching them also about later gratification, not this instant gratification, which our children are all very used to. They're used to turning the TV on, switching this, having iPads, all the instant gratification. But you get them to delay it. 
by saving, by investing, and by having this buffer fund, this emergency fund. If they can't get through their money for this week, and they're asking you, hey, Dad, can you give me some more? Can you give me more money? I've run out of money. I can't go to the movies with my mates or whatever, whatever. Give them another 20 or the amount that you decide or 80 and take off the next week when you do give them their allowance, you take off a little bit and say, that's interest. So you're teaching them that you don't just get money. That, you that actually money cost money. Money cost money. Okay. I, we have to go to the next ad break. What's fascinating from both of you is that you're both putting, and maybe that's only the first steps, you're putting a very strong emphasis on living within reality and what you actually have and what actually is coming in. And I heard less about how to plan long-term financially. I'm just wondering if that's like the next step or is actually living in reality the the main focus area you want to look at? Ilana? Definitely the first step. Definitely the first step. Okay, we do need to take a, a, a ad break, and we can, when we come back, we'll just uh, touch on that and go towards the end of the show already. Short ad break, and we'll be right back. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. Okay, we are completely running out of time in this show, and I'm going to say something I've never said on uh, five, six years of this show. Um, I I've always have... Uh, or try have multiple guests on the show. This is the first time that I'm saying, I really need to have you separately. I really need to have, you have so much to offer each of you. And I almost, uh, I'm going to chat to Sana afterwards and producer and see if we can actually have a proper show with each of you as I feel like the values are crucial and very far uh, looked at than what we actually need to do and we, we really need to help our generations and, and children and we have that responsibility that we need to look at. Concluding this show, just each of you for one minute, what would, what is your vision going forward? Where would you want to see the community? Where would you want to see families go from here? How would we do this? What would be our, our hope and vision towards the world? And we'll have to talk how to achieve it next time. As start with you, Yana. Just that people talk about money, that it hasn't become a taboo subject because it's nothing that people need to be of secrecy or shame or guilt about. But especially within the homes, to talk about money, to teach children how to be with money, to talk to your partner about how you are with money, to be aligned with with your partner, with your husband or wife, for the future, so that you are speaking the same language. Amazing. Communication and, and not being a taboo, 100%. Uh, Liron. So, very interesting, because um, many years ago, I once asked myself, you know, there's an interesting question you can ask yourself as an entrepreneur. If somebody gave you, let's say, 10 million rand, or whatever, what would you want to do? And for me, I came up to say, I want to help people. I just wasn't really sure how. And uh, for the last two years, I've been working on a project called Soulful Money. And uh, the idea of Soulful Money is really helping people to have a connection, not only with their money, but with Hashem, and see that the two are actually interrelated. And with that, there's courses and coaches. Um, I actually spoke to Lana to say, to I want to try and speak to her afterwards, because I'd love to bring her into that uh, as one of my coaches, because I feel that she'd be able to add so much value. 
So my vet, my my dream, if I could call it that, would be to say, how do we connect more deeply with Hashem to understand firstly everything comes from Hashem, and the more connected we are, the Torah guides us about how to make wealth. It's not that complicated, you know. Sometimes it's also the more spiritual we are, and the more connected we are, the more uh, uplifted we are, the more positive we are. It's a natural effect. And uh, that that would be my drive, and peace God will be my drive for the next couple of years. Definitely need to elaborate on that as well. Uh, I would love to get um, any sources, and you spoke throughout the show about links and things that you've developed that we could put on our social media as well, and see what we can do to follow up and continue. Uh, definitely need to. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thank you. Really, really fascinating, and just shows how much we really touched on the edge of the iceberg. Thank you, Craig, for managing the show. Thank you, Sam for putting these interviews together and special special thank you to Liron and Ilana and I'm sure we're going to have to discuss this further have a great day and stay safe